0: Hello?
1: Hello, this is Eustace King. I'm the agent for Troy Stetcher. I'm trying to get a hold of Jim Benning. He hasn't been answering his cell phone, and I was told I could reach him at this number.
0: Oh, yeah. The old Nokia's been ringing off the hook all day. Lots of people want to talk to Jimbo.
1: I was hoping you had a few minutes to talk about my client's future with the organization.
0: Yeah, we like Troy, but, uh, we're waiting to hear back from Tyson Barry. He's real fast, shoots the puck good and stuff, could make a good partner for pre-spa, or uh, on the power play, feeding those passes to Brandon Soder. We think he's going to be a real good player for us.
1: Okay, um... Listen, we've got other offers on the table, but this is a time-sensitive situation. If you can't commit to us, then we're going to have to move on.
0: You're being a little pushy, Stacy. You gotta be more like Don. That's Tyson's agent. He's, like, real nice and stuff.
1: I'm just trying to do what's best for my client.
0: Sorry, that's him. Gotta let you go now.
1: Jim, if we can't come to an agreement...
0: Hey, Don.
1: yippa dabba you! I like talking to you! <laughs>
0: oh, thanks, Don. I was just telling Stacy how friendly you are.
2: Falei Roxy Fever. I'm your host, Jax McDonald. With me as always, Via uh, and Elliot Hoyt. And who better to join us on our 50th episode and our uh free agency slash Nate Schmidt trade wrap up than Justin Morissette making his somehow first appearance on the main feed by himself, which seems like uh, a pretty major oversight. But Justin, we're glad to have you. How are you doing?
3: I'm good, it's good to be here I was going to say, do you want me to call JD from the other room? I can get him on the show
4: I, <laughs> I wasn't welcome here without him No, uh, of you course you not You weren't famous enough yet until, you know, the summer you had Exactly, you yes
3: <laughs> Well, you, the last time we talked about me coming on the show Was after what happened to me And you said, oh, we gotta get you on by yourself For sure, next That's gotta happen And then who did you have on before me? I know, it's so funny <laughs> with jd burke come on boy! and then, you, th- and then you,
2: you think about like how uh, by far the the person we are like the meanest to on this show is jd burke <laughs> yeah and then to, so yeah you must be feeling real hot right now
3: <laughs> well, i i listened to the show with jd and he uh you know, did what he has done for the last several months, which is the atrocities, the horror is just a disaster with no hockey sense. And third (laughs) overall, what are we talking about here, folks? I got five other guys at least ahead of this guy. After Tim Stutzla took the time out of his busy schedule around the draft, to join JD and Craig Button on the Elite Prospects podcast, he still talks all kinds of shit about him. It would be like if you guys had JD on for multiple appearances and then you know ripped him over petty stuff like what what movies
4: he likes. <laughs> yeah, could
2: you imagine that? That would really be something.
4: By the way, the o- like the only reason I know that Alex Trebek is still alive is because of Tim Stutzla. <laughs> I like so I just got into jeopardy as like Jackson Elliott, you know. Uh but but yeah, he still looks good. Thank God for the senators uh calling in calling him in for that pick he did.
2: That was literally the the only entertaining thing about the draft.
3: I just love the idea that they probably had to film like five different versions.
2: Yeah.
3: Of it. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah,
2: that's great. I love the cause there's always the the bit, like, I don't know how many people know this, but if um they used to do it, it seems like they don't really do it anymore, where people would uh, find the nameplate where it's like like I remember in Nathan McKinnon's draft year, maybe. Um, or no, it was uh it was the Tavares year. Um there was people took photos of like three different Islanders jerseys that had uh, Tavares and then like whoever else it was that year, like all because normally what teams do is they're not a hundred percent sure what they're going to do. So they have a Jersey with a, they have a couple jerseys with a couple different names on them in case right. something wacky happens. Right. And um, I, I've just, I was just like the most, like high budget version of that is the five different filmed for uh, like versions of Alex Trebek doing the pick announcement.
3: Well, they only funny. did it. They, they only did it that way via video with Alex Trebek, because there's no way that Eugene Melnick was going to pay for five different jerseys. <laughs> <laughs>
2: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's uh he must, you know, he must've done that for free. Cause there's no way they paid somebody.
5: To I was going to say Alex Trebek's cameo is probably more than an Ottawa senators Jersey.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I got a wonderful gift uh, after I got out of uh, the hospital. Former Ottawa Senator, current uh, Nashville Predator, and current friend of JMO, Mark (laughs) Borbietzky, sent me his game-used gloves from the past season. um, And I found actually an invoice from Eugene Melnick at the bottom of the box for some reason.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's great. Um, So, obviously, the, the reason we are gathered here today is because i mean obviously we would always do a a post free agency show but a lot of uh incredibly crazy shit happened in the past week specifically regarding free agency so i don't know um if we should really even get into any of it or if we should just take calls first what do you guys
3: think uh well it's your show so i will (laughs) leave it to you fellas to discuss
2: I'm always partial to doing the calls near the beginning of the show because then they can serve as a uh, an organic way to address uh, different topics rather than talking at length about something and then having a call that asks that a you to address it. it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So do you want to pull those up for us, Elliot? Sure. Um, fuck, how did I do this last time?
4: <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, no, I'm down, I'm down to do it this way.
3: While we're in a... I'm trying to figure field, out
4: how to bring sure it. To will
3: be internet. edited out. I'm yeah. not supposed to be recording anything on my end, am I right? Nope. Nope. Zoom yeah. does it all. It rocks. Okay. Perfect. I was very nervous when we just started, and I was like, uh-oh, I can't ask if I'm recording right now. Yeah. What did
2: you do, Elliot? Did you just... Um, there was, like, a chat last time. Yeah. Uh, were we on Skype last time? time? Nope. Uh, there is a chat that you can... Oh, yeah. Uh, it's the chat. you can go into.
4: Is this going to be in the episode? No,
3: we're taking all this out. No, I hope, I think it should stay. It's been riveted. No, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean,
2: now I, have, I have, have to leave it the, in because how the
4: sausage it. is made, I think, is very important. I was going to say that the only reason JD couldn't join us yesterday, if we were going to record yesterday, is because he was too busy writing all the tweets for the Horgan campaign during the debate. <laughs> Yeah, he's doing soyface memes about Wilkinson not building the subway to EBC or something. I don't know.
3: He's but. more of an. Oh, that's in. what I would be doing. That's
4: what. Yeah, I just realized. <laughs> God. Yeah, JD's been managing the Wilkinson campaign. <laughs> he's with no. He's with the BC Conservatives. That's where his heart really lies. Christian Heritage just, Party. Just, yes, there we go. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yes, does, does BC have one. a? Uh, I was going to say like, does BC have like a Libertarian Party or something?
4: Uh hey Roxy Fever guys, it's uh it's Tim here. Uh listen, sorry, I seem a little frantic. Uh I'm in a bit of a jam. I'm late here for my homework assignment. You know, the ten page apology letter to Jim Benning. <laughs> I'm wondering if you guys have any uh good resources to help pad it out. I've been mostly citing uh you know, a bunch of Tej Dollywall tweets, but I'm still 10 pages <laughs> short. Uh anyways, uh if you guys could help me out, otherwise uh Gordon Miller's gonna have my fucking ass. Thanks. <laughs> Uh,
2: well uh big thanks to tim (laughs) Tim. for calling in there um gee i don't know what's a uh what how do you start your apology letter to jim benning um i think obviously you know uh i'm sorry that uh i said the jt miller trade was bad and that's it (laughs) um i i don't know i mean i i obviously like there there's probably funnier answers to this but like i just feel i feel better than i have felt in probably like a year and a half uh just in the sense that there's nothing fun about saying things are going to happen and having no one believe you and now that it's all happened i feel like strangely light what what do you guys think
3: Well, first of all, I have to assume that that was Tim Stutzla writing in. Yeah, that was Tim Stutzla. I would say, Tim, just reuse and repurpose most of your apology letter from J.D. Burke into this letter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I I would have to take a page from Conor McGregor and say I would like to apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. (laughs) Yeah uh because yeah like i don't know what have i said about jim benning that i feel bad about literally nothing um i i, I said over the weekend when elliot friedman announced the terms of troy stetcher's deal with the detroit red wings i despise jim benning Would <laughs> i like to take that back uh, maybe i wouldn't quote tweet elliot given that uh, I do work with him and he probably saw that but uh the sentiment is real and i stand by it personally
4: I figure Justin has to apologize to Jim Benning every day when he, when he goes into work, like <laughs> Jim's the one who opens up the doors in the morning and <laughs> <laughs> Jim has to walk in. Okay. You gotta
2: be careful uh, about, about those jokes there. Um, okay. Yeah. Here. Okay. Let's take the wait, next one. Okay. I
4: had, no, I had, I had a, I still had a response. I, okay. I had one. Um, Jim, uh, sorry. I know you probably thought that I was yelling you ate shit. When I was outside your house on Saturday, uh, I was actually saying Nate Schmidt. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. Yeah, but just but just in case you, you thought I said eight. All right, next one.
2: Was that just to ask a just to ask a quick ask a quick question here, Elliot? Did you just play it like, like who who was that that I heard playing it? Not me.
3: It might have been me. Yeah, okay. that was.
4: Could you just do that again?
3: Yeah, just do yeah, it again. Is my audio going into the show?
4: apparently yeah
3: seems like it yeah
4: okay here we go it's quite good yeah here we go uh hey roxy fever guys it's uh that's the same one uh listen sorry i seem a little frantic uh okay it's the same one (laughs)
3: uh i swear to god i hit mp message two i might have fucked that up did elliot just said the same one twice (laughs) i think he did let me see we are so good at this. this let's see if this is the same one again
6: uh hey RoxyTuba guys. <laughs> it sure it
5: is. Okay, 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 okay. This is me fucking this up, clearly. Hey, message I three. mean, just just maybe this is me fucking it
3: up. Message three. Let's see if this is a different one this time. Fuck Ian McIntyre.
2: <laughs> I
3: actually uh <laughs>
4: I Neither actually wanted to that what's that? You thought that's just you calling it to you. No, answer?
2: that was not me. Because right. I actually wanted to I actually wanted to highlight a uh an Ian McIntyre. Article that I read earlier today, um, or earlier this week, I guess, where um, he basically said that with the Canucks Nate Schmidt trade, they were maybe back close to 500 for the week. And if that's the review you're getting from Ian McIntyre.
3: Oh, man. He absolutely lit them up in that column over the handling of Troy Stetcher, which was incredible. Um it, you know, yeah, like it, very good stuff from Ian. That a lot of that column was just dripping in sarcasm. Yeah. I like IMAC. I know a lot of people that I know and love have had some big disagreements with him over the years, <laughs> uh, including the host of this program that I'm on <laughs> right now. But I like Ian has always been a very nice man to me, and I like him personally quite a bit. I you have you
2: know what? I he's grown on me a lot. And I, I I think it was it was one of those things where I, um I didn't, I probably shouldn't have put his name in the headline. I don't regret anything that I said because everything I said was correct.
3: And it was uh, funny, like he, like I'm sure he, even he would look back on that incident. I think both of us
2: would look back on it and think it's funny now. But he yeah. just like he responded in the most hilarious way possible. So, um, you know, I think it's a funny thing where I think people get this impression that like I I really dislike him or something, but like he does not even enter my radar for for like annoying media people. He just happened to one time say something really, really asinine about the Canucks rebuild, and, uh, and I happened to um, write an article that was supposed to be addressing uh, this one particular idea and had so much to say about just Ian McIntyre's radio hit that it ended up being enough for its own article. Yeah.
3: I think he's very entertaining on the radio, personally. I have a good time every time I'm getting in on the phone, I gotta Fair say. Enough.
5: Fair enough. I like how many people definitely ate it on him being
4: sarcastic in his article about uh, Toffoli and Stetcher. He's a very tall man, and I think he could probably beat me up. So I will say he's (laughs) he's a fine gentleman. Kind of reminds me of Abraham Lincoln. (laughs) (laughs) He kind of does. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln without the beard. (laughs) Why why did he become a hockey writer? He should have hooped.
2: (laughs) Man, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be amazing if Ian McIntyre was really really good at basketball?
3: I don't remember the exact. Uh, wording of that Osama
4: bin Laden tweet, and I wanted to plug Ian McIntyre's name. <laughs> yeah, that one's really good. I mean, yeah, his nickname's IMAC. Um, the other guy's nickname is TMAC, right? Who am I talking about Trace McGrady? Yes, <laughs> nice <Next> clip, Elliot.
2: <laughs> See, the thing about Ian McIntyre is that he can be Robin, but he can't be Batman. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's a deep up, cut. Up next. Here we go. Um,
2: if it, n- up next is
3: number
5: four. I don't think you should play it next. I think we should cheat a little bit. Okay. Um, go to sound if, next? Go with sound on MP3 because I mislabeled them. Yeah,
3: okay, I'll get Good luck to whoever's editing this. And I know the answer to that. Not The Vyaz.
4: Okay. (laughs) You guys guys should let me edit one episode one.
2: That would be really funny. Because
3: you know he would take out absolutely nothing.
5: (laughs) (laughs) I just put all four things in there and lined them up and pressed publish. It was fine, guys. (laughs) Yeah,
3: I looked for the clap sound and I synced it up and that was good. Anyways, here we go.
1: Hello, Roxy Fever. It's your friend Myra from Twitter. I don't know what the fuck the Canucks are doing. Do they have a plan? Is there a plan? Are they trying to get better? Are they trying to get taller? I I don't know what's going on. I just call and talk to someone. Oh, my gosh. Bye.
2: (laughs) I I think I'm going to let Justin handle that question. Do the Canucks have a plan?
4: Uh, I know they're getting taller. I'll say that. That's for sure.
3: Before I get into her question, I just want to say that if there's anyone that I know who's happy I'm in a wheelchair at the moment, it would be Myra from Twitter because I don't have to bend over to speak to her anymore.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I will come out and say that was mean. (laughs) I don't Uh, want
5: her to not like me. (laughs) No, it's not not Justin being mean right now because uh, Justin just does this to talk to her and she hates it a lot.
3: Yeah, I, 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 it's completely subconscious. I've never made an intentional decision to do this, but I do like put my hands on my hips and lean over like I'm talking to a toddler a little. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do the Canucks have oh, a gosh. plan, though, was her question. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say no. Um, I'm going to say that Nate Schmidt was not a planned move, even if the trade may have come together two days before it happened. They were clearly all in on Oliver Ekman Larson to the point that they had blinders on to literally anything else that they possibly could have done throughout the entirety of that week. Uh, They had this plan came together when Vegas got the player that they didn't, which isn't to say that they ever had a chance at landing Alex Petrangelo. Uh, But if the golden Knights didn't do that, then what Nate Schmidt is a plan that they had drawn up all along. Absolutely not. No, no, of course not.
5: Come (laughs) on. Yeah, I don't, I don't plan, but their plan was a stupid B really short. And then it didn't work, so then they started panicking and doing random things. Like they wanted to get like OEL, they wanted to get oh I don't know Tyson else. Barry. Tyson Barry, yeah, yeah. Um, then they didn't, and then they just sort of realized like oh shit, Stetcher walked away. What are we gonna do?
4: The person I blame is uh, the GM of uh, the Golden Knights because I think the plan was wait for whatever the fuck was going to happen with Petrangelo, and then make your move. And so I blame them. It's their fault. <laughs> they they should have moved quicker. It's, it's, it's not Benning's fault. <laughs> I,
3: I do agree with Elliot that plan A was really stupid and plan B was really short because they qualified Jake Vertanen and uh, were not able to circle back to Troy Stetcher in time. So the priorities there do line up.
2: Yeah. I, I think Nate Schmidt might, may have been plan like E F. or F. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, And I actually, honestly, Nate Schmidt for a third as your plan E or F or whatever is like not a bad plan
3: E or F. And it's honestly much preferable to the if they had actually pulled off plan A.
2: Yeah, exactly. Which is which is an interesting factor to it. But but uh, I don't think that plan um, I don't think that that. There was any part of the plan that involved losing all your other free agents and then replacing them with Nathan Schmidt and Braden Holtby.
3: Well, uh, here's Um. the here's the question for me: is like why did they ever think that they were going to keep Jacob Markstrom? It like they had no money to do anything. And they were going to give their starting goalie $6 million. Like, I guess they, their internal cap on that offer was 5.5, but really what's the difference? Honestly, yeah, that's mm-hmm. not a
2: big difference. And,
3: yeah. and, and if like, what were they planning to do after that? It doesn't make any sense really. I mean, it's not a huge price difference. I guess it's like 1.3 more than what they wound up paying Braden Holtby, but maybe we'll get to this later on in the show. I I don't understand why they signed Braden Holtby. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. You don't have any money to do anything. You have so many holes, both at forward and defense, and you're gonna take the largest chunk of cap space that you have and put it towards goaltending when Thatcher Demko is clearly already the guy. Yeah, like what are we doing here? Yeah,
5: with the condensed schedule, they probably want a competent backup goalie. But like, especially with Thatcher being a baby, but like, there's definitely options in between. You know, Richard Bachman and Brian Holby. Yeah, yes.
4: just do it like that period of 2008 to 2012, where we just kept getting these guys on one-year contracts who were no names, <laughs> yeah. but like they held held it together. Yeah, they, they were, were fine. Fine, they were like playing 400 or something like that. like, yeah, like find that this
2: uh, find this year's version of Jason LaBarbara or whatever. Exactly.
4: Exactly. Like, yeah. Or and, and you know, my 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 other thought with Markstrom leaving is not only that like money and you already have Demko coming in. I kind of am skeptical of how Mark how well Markson is gonna be without sure. being Clark behind him. And yep. who does Calgary have as a goaltending coach? Like what success has Calgary had in goaltending since Kibbersoff?
2: None. Yeah, that's and that's, and that's entirely reasonable. And but to to circle back to the uh the plan question, um it is really funny to me too that like you know, people keep saying like, "Oh, well, you know, I'm glad they didn't sign Markstrom to that contract, or I'm glad they didn't sign tanF to that contract." And, but they you know
3: wanted to. Yes, uh-huh.
2: and, and 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 you know, and I, how? I, how I agree, I agree. Doesn't with make them any sense that I agree with them that they sh- shouldn't, that they were right not to sign these contracts, but they replaced those guys with like an almost equal amount of money, and they didn't get better. Like they they got worse on. The in that, and they got uh like slight like they got better on
3: the they right got side. Better on D, but they're they also shallower on
2: D. Exactly.
3: improved mean, yeah. on Tanev, but their third pairing without Stetcher is a, a smoking crater at the moment. <laughs> yes. Like, what are we talking about here? I don't know.
2: All right, let's uh <laughs> let's let's move on to the to the next call here.
6: Hi, first time, long time. Hi. I'm just wondering how much worse than mediocre the Canucks are do you mean
4: it i uh
5: a lot worse, I think <laughs> I think they're definitely on the downside
4: of mediocre um do you guys think like for me, defense is definitely gonna be worse uh I think even though tanev like we it's probably a good idea that we didn't take tanev back, but like missing somebody super steady who's a vet in the back is gonna suck, and so you have that. Are the forwards going to be better next year? I'm no, kind of concerned no. the Toffoli. Because Toffoli
5: walked and nothing else got better, right? Yeah.
3: And it's finally going to take that next step, boys. It's going to happen. Just <laughs> you wait and see. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, No, as much as I just went in on Braden Holtby and the idea of allocating that much cap to him when you don't have cap space... Uh, there was a, an interview that went around today with the owner of the Golden Knights where he talked about the fact that they're going to be playing something like 56 games over the course of a very condensed schedule to the point where he was speculating you might play five games a week. Wow which oh I God. think you boys remember how big a fan I am of playing five, seven <laughs> nights. Uh, so they can have solo in the
4: cup this year, right? Not
3: at all. Uh, but you do need goaltending in that case. And I do think actually, I don't think Braden Holtby is as bad as some people made him out to be on the day of the signing. When you do talk to goalie people, uh, you know, Greg Ballack, Kevin Woodley, anybody who's uh, in the goaltending sphere, they're going to talk about the fact that Holtby played in the most difficult situation in the entire NHL last season and that his expected save percentage was significantly lower than his actual save percentage. So I do think this is a guy who can improve in Vancouver, especially under the tutelage of Ian Clark. But that downgrade is still a downgrade. He is not Jacob Markstrom and if you are playing that many games over such a condensed period of time you do need two goalies that can go uh and you know we're talking about them step taking steps back up front and on d they've taken a step back on goaltending as well they are going to be Mm -hmm. worse than they were last year uh in every single position and uh, i guess this is as good a time as any jackson for you and i to discuss the fact that we had a bit of a bet uh coming out of the draft last Mm -hmm. year did we not do you want
2: to to talk about that yeah um i i think this is a i i an It's a good time to revisit what I think is has kind of maybe you disagree, but I kind of consider it a draw with the way that everything like uh, the way that everything has worked out, because you were obviously a lot more right about JT Miller and how well he was going to fit in the in the Canucks top six. I don't think anyone thought that he was going to be as good as he was this year.
3: Yeah, but But. the crux of the bet was really not JT Miller. The conditions of the pick, which was, do I believe that it's a smart bet to think this team would make the playoffs over the two years after that trade? I said yes, because I did think that a team that is built around young players would continue to get better because those young players can only improve and they are the biggest drivers of success on the team you had a different belief, though, and it was actually not about those young players at all. And no, we never really players. got into this uh, in any of the many instances that we've discussed this bet before.
2: <laughs> no, my the the crux of my argument was that, yeah, obviously Elias Peterson and Quinn Hughes are going to get better. But when you look at what the players that this team target has targeted in the past and their contract situation, there's a legitimate case to be made that the supporting cast around them would get worse. And you were saying that, you know, I actually think it's year two that they're going to make the playoffs in. Yeah. And I said, if they have a chance, it's probably going to be in year one. Cause I think they'll actually take a step back in year two. And, um, Obviously, we don't have the full picture yet. Season, The second season hasn't started yet, but uh, I fe- I'm feeling pretty confident about my prediction that they were going to take a step back because you look at the overall picture, and I like Nate Schmidt a lot, and I think that a third-round pick for a player of that caliber, setting aside all the things that come with it, is good value for excellent. a player that good. It's actually excellent value, yeah.
5: So, my original take on this trade was like, holy shit, like the Canucks finally realized that if a team is in a cap crunch, you should like extract value from them, not simply do a value for value trade. Yes. You know, getting Miller for a first from Tampa when they're in, tap, when they're in a cap crunch isn't that impressive, but getting, you know, Schmidt from Vegas because they're capped out is a nice piece of work. But then, other Elliot uh, <laughs> went oh, on yeah. 650. Yes, oh, yeah. Elliot Friedman. <laughs> yeah. Elliot
3: Friedman. The other Elliot on TV. Elliot Gould, actually. It
4: was Elliot Gould
3: <laughs> yeah. doing his weekly hit on the program.
5: <laughs> um, on Saturday, there were a lot of Schmidt rumors flying around and the Canucks pounced on it pretty quick and made it clear they were willing to take on the salary. The money line is, I think the Canucks valued him as a player, whereas other teams viewed him as a vehicle to get something else. So every other team, I mean, obviously, every other team played harder ball than the Canucks because that's how you get a deal done.
3: But it's still funny that, like, you know. Even when they learned, they didn't learn. Exactly. Yeah,
2: yeah even when they do something smart, they're still two, two steps behind most of the rest of the league. Well, um, my, really, what I, I, sorry, sure, just it, what I was to, to, um, to just finish that thought there, what I was going to say is with regards to them taking a step back, you look at the overall picture, and they're worse at forward, they're worse in net, and at absolute best, they have stood pat on D by replacing Stetcher and Tanev on the right side with Schmidt. Um, and obviously they could add someone else. And I, I do think Schmidt is a really good player. And I think he's better than either of the players they lost, but you still have only replaced two of the players you lost. And one of them was significant downgrade. And one of them was an upgrade, but you still have to fill the other spot
3: on that when you're going side, on the so. in
5: outs, you have to be Stetcher and Tanev out. Schmidt and Chatfield I guess in yeah and or whoever you like of those three
3: it's not going to be Jalen Chatfield we need to disabuse <laughs> ourselves of this notion that Jalen Chatfield is an NHL player he is not it's not going to happen not being
5: an NHL player doesn't mean he's going to be on the third pair right side <laughs> yeah I was going
3: to preclude him from being on the team Fair. uh Travis yeah, no. Green won't stand for it though you, you had to make this trade when, you know, uh, I think it was Jason Broff spent the entire day on Saturday talking him himself into the fact that uh, Jalen Chatfield was going to be a regular fixture on this team. Uh, but but what, what my negative reaction to the trade was, this is obviously a very good player. Right. Like, yeah. I have no dispute about that. But there's two things that do bother me about it. And that is, number one, you didn't have any money to sign any of your own players, even <laughs> when they were cheap. Even Tyler Toffoli, who went at a very reasonable rate. In fact, less than what the Canucks are currently paying Brandon Sutter. Troy Stetcher, yeah, okay. again, a one very... less year
2: on that contract. Okay, too, how much is Schmidt
4: getting? Six no. million. Schmidt six is million. getting six million. Yeah. Six million. How much did Char Setra get? This one is point, seven. point seven. Okay. Six. I'm plugging this into Google. Give me a moment. Six four point minus three. one point seven. <laughs>
3: Let me save you a lot of time here. It's the exact same money between Tyler Toffoli and Troy Stetcher combined as Amazing. it is for one single Nate Schmidt. And what bothers me about that is you don't have any money at all to deal with your own players in any yeah. way, but you're going to turn around and suddenly have $6 million to spend on this guy who yeah. like is a good player. Is he a $6 million player? Well, I guess if Tyler Myers is, then so is anyone. It's also really <laughs> funny because too.
5: if they had kept their powder dry and not signed buyers this trade looks a hell of a lot better because that gives you space to keep stature
3: and that's the thing that bothers me is if you want to look ahead and say well these trash contracts that we have now are going to run up and that money will become available it's not actually going to become available if you keep committing it to other people before the guys that you actually need to give it to come off their elcs so you know Is Nate Schmidt going to be a very good player for the Canucks next season? Yes. Is he going to be a very good player for the Canucks the season after that as well? Yes, but in five years, you're going to be paying or four years rather, you're going to be paying Nate Schmidt and Tyler Myers, a combined $12 million. Are they both going to be good? Probably not, no. Is a single one of them going to be good at that point? (laughs) Probably not, no. So, you know, you've just created another problem for yourself that you're assuming you won't have to deal with if you're Jim Benning because you'll be off the job by the time that year comes and in
5: four years, Pedersen's going to be 25 Hughes is going to be 25, 24. And those guys are going to be 33, 34, and you're going to have yeah. 12 million sitting on them. That's just such a lovely idea.
2: I was going to, what I was going to say there, sorry. It's just, uh, they found literally the one way they could get better on defense after everything that happened and still add a bad contract. Like everyone else during COVID has signed great contracts. Like everyone other than Alex Petrangelo and Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanoff probably like has signed a really good contract. Taylor Hall. What a fucking contract. Tyler Toffoli way below market value. Tyson Berry one year. Dude, way even people below were
3: value. freaking out about the contract that Brendan Gallagher signed today. Yeah. Yeah. And, like six and a half million dollars for Brendan Gallagher for six years—is that a lot of money? Kind of. Is it really though for the player that Brendan Gallagher is? No, I it's don't think so. Especially when you think back to the fact, like, let's go back to the beginning of the salary cap era. Okay, there was a six million dollar player in Vancouver. His name was Marcus Naslund. Like, <laughs> it's not a lot of money to give to Brendan Gallagher under a uh, fifteen years later cap environment. Like, exactly. come on real yeah
2: and and it's just it's crazy to me that yes the Canucks did in their own way kind of take advantage of the situation that everyone is in but they found the only way to take advantage of it and still end up with more bad contracts on the books for right now than they did before free agency started
3: and that's just it they're not a team that is in a position to take on big money like The OEL trade talks really never even made sense in that capacity. Yes, you could have gotten some bad contracts off the books in doing so if you'd convinced Arizona to take a Louis Erickson or a Brandon Sutter or, you know, preferably both. (laughs) Uh, But, like, are you really getting Erickson off the books if you've just replaced him with point? Two five or whatever was due to Oliver Ekman Larson. Yeah. Oh, the thought not-
2: process there is just that you get a better player who fits more of a need, but it's yeah. still it's still bad money for bad money, and it 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 matters at this point because the 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 question that Canucks fans need to have in their in their minds is like, how does this team get better? And that was the point that I've that's the point that I've kind of been trying to hammer on this whole year is that like, was it nice to see them do so well? Yes. Did they do better than I was expecting? Absolutely. They did. But how does this team get better? What, when is their window? And I don't think anyone knows. And it's, it's shocking. Like Ray Ferraro has been uh, on 1040 calling, calling this the no plan plan, which I think is fantastic. Like, Um, it's I wouldn't
3: have heard that so uh, of course not no (laughs) but
2: um I do like Ray though and I think he's bang on on this one like it it's not that the Canucks are incapable of like making a good trade or making a good move or even signing a decent contract it's that no one transaction ever seems to follow the other in a coherent way it's just a team moving pieces around and um and being like i don't know maybe we'll get better if everything goes right and that's just like another person who has been on the radio a lot recently is Harmon dial and he said uh you don't in one of his recent radio heads he said you don't become a contender by accident there has to be a plan and um you know to answer myra's question no i don't think there is one i think at this point if you're trying to 3d chess a plan you're you have just gone on my pain mind mine list. You are, li- you are living in cloud cuckoo land.
5: Yeah, they have, like, fractions of plans. They'll have plans for, like, six months, but that's it, Then they just change their mind and do something else.
3: How would your long-term plan to arrive in this very moment account for, uh, you know, Eric Goodbranson over Jared McCann and Alex Debrinkit, you know? Like, no, there's no plan here. There hasn't been for the entire six years at this point. Like, Oh, oh
4: my God, guys. So the Canucks have no concept of time for when they're going to be good or how to be good at a certain point. They're really disorganized. You can't really tell <laughs> between decisions. I'm pretty sure the Canucks have ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> all right. On, uh, on that
2: note, wait. let's, let's check <laughs> I, wait, out.
4: I have one more thing just because we talked about Nate Schmidt. Can you guys all open up a player photo, like the headshot of Nate Schmidt? Yes, I, I've I,
2: seen, I've seen it.
4: Okay. Yeah. All of you guys have them in your head. Okay. In the mold of uh, hot Brent Sopal, which is my nickname for Chris Tanev. Yeah. Cocaine Sammy Salam. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
4: yeah, that's great.
2: Alright, on that note, let's, uh, let's take the next call. And possibly the last call? Hello,
1: darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again because it was rusty, <laughs> left its seat while I was sleeping and the vision
2: that was in
5: my brain <laughs> okay who said uh, that, that uh that was Tim I guess that was <laughs> all an art
3: in Scarborough Fair
2: uh Tim rocks um yeah, well,
3: Tim the
4: tool man Wilkinson. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, guy, this guy legit might do like shelving for me once I finally get back to him on some ideas that rocks. Um All the men, Tim, Tim Wilkinson, something, something, Instagram.com. Yes. Um, that, um Finally,
3: a, a good Wilkinson in this. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh.
2: All right. So I think the, uh, the, we, we addressed, uh, Nate Schmidt, uh, quite a lot over the course of those calls. So I think that's a, um, I think we can put a bow on that. But one thing I want to circle back to is the goaltending because I think that it's sort of, it's been interesting to see the response to it. And I think it's a, um, pretty clear example of the thing that i'm always saying which is that canucks fans all have stockholm syndrome because this Braden Holtby contract it's not terrible it's not the kind of thing that's worth getting worked up about but it's it's not good yeah
3: that's a huge perk i guess yes
2: but everybody over the past week has signed for like a year or two
1: yeah i guess that's true yeah. Um,
2: and I, I don't, I guess, I think one thing that's sort of been lost on people or that hasn't been remarked upon nearly enough is that I think in both cases with both Demco and Holtby, you can make a very strong uh, qualitative case for why they will post better numbers than they did this year. Mm-hmm. But Ultimately, you are still talking about a team who was only in the playoffs this year because of their goaltending, entering the next season with two goaltenders who had sub 910 save percentages last year. Um, maybe even sub 905. Um, seems bad. Like, seems like something that could really have the potential to totally derail their season to a disastrous degree if it doesn't go well so now you're saying that they don't have a plan Mm -hmm. i have a plan (laughs) i have a plan where
5: the canucks eat shit because of their goaltending this year and get a high pick
4: (laughs) fair before we like as long as we don't fucking trade that pick away (laughs) a way to dump salary, which they'll somehow find a way to do.
3: Yeah, they're going to trade a first-round pick to get rid of Louis Erickson in the (laughs) final year of his contract next summer. (laughs) Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> I'm gonna, What's going to happen is, is I'm going to finally have my Adam Sandler this is how I win moment when the, um, the Canucks do trade away a first round pick that ends up being the first overall, but it's the pick they traded to get rid of Louis Erickson instead of the pick they traded to get JT Miller. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I, feel, I, I just feel really bad for Brendan Holpe to be playing in a Canadian market with journalists who are going to make a lot of jokes about the hole in his name there's nothing. oh
2: I, I see what you're saying
4: oh i hold G- jesus christ guys
5: five three and five folds p
4: i just assume that like like i mean the whole like uh, they have the canucks have a huge hole in that i don't know i'm just
3: ah there we go i got there after you <laughs> took us all the way <laughs>
4: <laughs> after i took you Hey
3: Vyas, yeah, so you know that
5: uh eddie lax last name translates to ac right
4: all right. You got another call for us, Elliot, or are you going to keep <laughs> talking? No, we're out.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Um, <laughs> I, it's funny you mentioned journalists, actually, if you asked, because one of the things I was going to say about Braden Holtby that I think has contributed to the more or less positive response that um, signing him has gotten in this city is that he's cool he's really cool like everybody's really gonna like him that's the thing like like even if he sucks even if he absolutely sucks shit people will are gonna be nice to him because he first of all like he's a Vancouver guy like you just look at him and it's like uh, when he did his media availability when he first signed here it was like big beard sunglasses plaid shirt like he could basically be any guy walking down Granville Street.
3: Um, do, you, do you see the video of him playing country music at an open mic in Whistler <laughs> last year? No. It's, what? It's, what? Like, it's amazing. The, the Caps did like a team trip to Whistler and holtby got up at an open mic with a guitar and played (laughs) music he's like he couldn't be more vancouver and i do think it's cool that we are already at this point with him before he's already played a single (laughs) game here when like think how long it took us to appreciate the person that is ryan miller yeah
4: i'm sorry as the only as the only poc in in this group like I, I gotta burst your bubble. That sounds like every fucking Canadian guy <laughs> I've ever. I was heard. also gonna say he's from Saskatchewan.
5: You're saying you're describing massive Saskatchewan guy
4: energy. Yeah, you're describing massive Ontario energy, uh, some maritime energy. Uh, yeah. I, okay,
2: I hate to burst your bubble, Vias, but he's also an outspoken uh, supporter of no, game rights, which which I, uh, <laughs> which I, I think first... takes out a couple of those
4: places. Okay. Okay. Yeah
2: um no he's he's from what i understand he's been not just outspoken on on uh lgbt issues yeah, but first, on, like, first other one stuff to come too. out
4: on blm like yeah long while before everybody else yeah. he is one
2: of the uh he is one of the more benevolent libs in the game and we appreciate
4: that
3: you're seeing that a little bit though jackson the point that you're making about soft coverage i found that to be very much the case after Nate Schmidt did his first conference call with Vancouver Media. Uh, yes. Everybody loved this guy as a person. They were just completely enamored with his personality, the way he handled the media for the entire time. And I look, that's good, too. It's nice to have charming characters on the team. That has been an issue with this team, in fact, while this management group <laughs> has been in charge. There's been a dearth of players that you actually want to like and cheer for uh you know sorry but to me brandon sutter is not that guy and never has
2: been you know well and that's one of the things that kills me so much about everything that happened over the past couple of days is that uh like you you spend all of this money on character guys that are supposed to be fan favorites. Remember when that was a talking point about Brandon Prust? Ugh. Oh, he's going to be a fan Ugh. favorite in Vancouver. God, has anybody ever been more wrong about anything? He entirely? might be the worst. Brandon Prust, ever. one moment
5: where the majority of the fan base liked him was after probably the most heinous penalty he took in Vancouver.
2: Probably the most Marchand heinous penalty of his career. Yeah, like, like
4: <laughs> yeah, he he, could, he couldn't even come back from spearing Marshawn in the balls. Like, that's if he bad did that he to any other player, too, like people oh, would be yeah. like,
2: "Geez, what the fuck, man!" Yeah. Like, he literally picked the only guy he could do that to like, have it be have it be cool.
4: <laughs> that's probably yeah. why he did it. Oh, 100%. there's guys you
5: can spear in the balls, and there's guys you can't spear in the balls. <laughs> Luckily for you, that's a guy you can spear in the I'm balls. I'm not quite
2: saying that's not a guy you can spear in the balls. <laughs>
3: He, 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 i'm just imagining both lists on paper and one of them is like a fortune cookie and the other is like a scroll that rolled <laughs> out of the room
2: <laughs> um but yeah i it, it kills me that like they they spent all this money on these guys that aren't good and that nobody likes and then there's no money for i i, I wrote a um i wrote an article about this in the daily hive a couple of days ago
3: it was very um, good Well done. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Thank you. Um, I thought it turned out well, too, actually. And I don't always a lot of the time I just write something and I go like, "Uh, "Okay, I don't know. (laughs) I just wrote it, whatever. But I like people reply
3: like this sucks shit. And you're like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, But uh, the the point that I was trying to make in it is that like there are the good types of bad contract and the bad types of of bad contract. And a good type of bad contract is when you um, either Re, like, go out and sign a guy who you're paying too much and you're paying him for too long, but he's a guy that you just don't get a swing at very often, and so you bite the bullet and you do it. Um, there are examples. I'm, I, I mean, John, John Tavares, yeah, okay, that's a perfect example. Thank you, yeah, that, I'm that so glad
4: be... this didn't turn out to be the, your version of the Chris Rock joke. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Um, so there's th- that's the one type of the that's the one good type of bad contract. And the other one is um, I the example I used outside of Canuckland is TJ Oshie in Washington. <clears throat> Oshie was the they like a piece that put them over the top because he was playing mostly on their second line and he was their fourth leading scorer. And uh, he had 21 points in 24 games and they paid him like way too much. And he's going to be way too old when that contract, contract expires, but they want to Stanley the cup with him. So who cares? And I think that you could definitely make the case that if they had done that for one of Jacob Markstrom or Chris Tanev, and I'm not saying that I wanted them to do this because I didn't. And I'm ultimately, I think glad that they are not on the books anymore. I think
5: there's a number that Markstrom and Tanov made sense at. They were nowhere near the numbers that they actually got.
2: Yeah, but I would have been I would have had so much if they had moved out Sutter or Erickson or Beagle. Yep, And they had re-signed Chris Tanev or Jacob Markstrom at one of those figures. I would be I would be probably more positive about them moving out the bad contract than signing the bad contract. Like I have it way more time for you signing Jacob Markstrom to the Louis Erickson deal now than Louis Erickson to the Louis Erickson deal when you were literally the worst team in the league over a three-year span.
3: And when he's a player that no one has
2: any sort of connection to, exactly. No one in the market, and no one on the team,
3: and no one on earth. Like <laughs> weird guy.
2: Yeah, certainly.
3: I add something there because to me, uh, you know, I think a good version of a bad contract as well is just keeping Troy Stetcher and maybe you don't get the discount rate that he went to to Detroit. You you keep him at two point three or whatever it would have cost to qualify him. You keep him at last year's salary. If you consider that to be a bad contract, well, first of all, you're wrong. But second of all, that is a great bad contract to have, not just for the quality of player that you're getting to completely carry your third pairing, but also because people in this city love this guy. And he just gave one of the most heroic playoff performances that I can recall, short of Sammy Salo in 2011, like when Salo was just like, I've never seen a player once the cup this bad before um you know like that's the guy who gave you a performance in the postseason this year that you have always expected of Jake Vertanen what have we been saying about Vertanen since the day he was drafted okay sure he's not so good in the regular season maybe but you (laughs) get this guy to the playoffs he's a hometown kid do you know what it would mean to him to win the Stanley Cup in the city where he grew up Well, clearly almost nothing. We saw how he played in the playoffs this year. But we also saw that it would mean everything to Troy Stetscher. The guy was incredible in this postseason. Did he have a couple difficult games against St. Louis? Yes, but... For whatever reason, people want to judge this guy on a couple of moments from a couple of games that jump out at him. I guarantee you that the people who think negatively of Troy Stetcher coming off of the season that he just had are doing so because they remember that stretch of games he had where in one week, two goals deflected in off of him. One of them went in off of his face. He yeah. was unlucky in small pockets. And for whatever reason, that's all people want to remember. They don't remember that, yes, he might be small, but he was also their third best defenseman. Yeah. Like, yeah. unquestionably. Yeah. Unquestionably, yeah. unquestionably. He is a fake gamer girl of being from <laughs> <Vancouver>.
5: <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I mean, I think the central thesis of, like, Jake Furtanen is that Troy Stetcher is who people think Jake Furtanen is. Absolutely. And Stetcher bringing it up in the playoffs is definitely part of that. And Stetcher going completely Cam Neely mode as soon as he leaves is also <laughs> going to come true.
4: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. I would love to see that happen. He's also actually from the Metro Vancouver area. Jay Furtannon is not. Abbotsford is not within Metro Vancouver. Also, Stetcher is like a more explicit Canucks fan than Jake has been based off of like stuff they talk about in their childhood. Like, Stetcher is a fan of the Orca jersey the original Orca jersey. Nobody is brave enough to say that. That's our favorite jersey. Uh, very few Absolutely. people.
2: Oh, and he talked so much about, remember the, there was the, I mean, everything about the last week, everything that he yeah. said has been so sad. Like the, the, Oh, I, I, you know, I was just really happy to go somewhere that wanted me. God heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. Oh, thanks for everybody uh, for their support and for, you know, making he said, thanks for making a local kid's dream come true. Oh. That is heartbreaking.
3: Yeah, but um, also also I I want to make sure that we make it clear because so many people want to listen to conversations like the one we're having about choice that you're right now. And say something dumb as fuck. Like, if he was from Saskatchewan, you wouldn't give a shit about who he is or where he's from. If up. Jake
2: Vertanen was from Saskatchewan, he'd be in the AHL. <laughs>
4: <laughs> fuck off. He'd be the SJHL still. He'd be in the
3: AHL of the Florida Panthers. He would yeah. not be here anymore. Uh, yes. But also, Troy Thatcher was a very good player. A very good player. And the idea that, like, this is the other criticism that people want to throw around Oh, well, he already got a small defenseman in Quinn Hughes. You can't have both of those guys. A couple of strips back there.
1: What are we doing here, fellas?
3: That's ridiculous. You yes. can have as many small players as you want, as long as they're good at hockey. Who <laughs> just won the Stanley Cup? The Tampa Bay Lightning. You know what the Tampa Bay Lightning look like when they send four lines over the board? Ice hockey for NES because they have yeah. one skinny, one normal, and one fat on every line. <laughs> they have a guy on every line. So, yes, you can have two small defensemen. You can have five small forwards, a team with that, six even just won the fucking Stanley Cup. Absolutely. So- and was probably the best team here. in the league over the past <laughs>
2: five years <laughs> years, if you want to look at it as a sample, you know.
4: Yeah. I need to I need to make that meme of uh the johnny cash parody movie the wrong kid died but it's mccann and Vertanen <laughs> the wrong yeah, kid got that's traded.
2: fantastic that's
4: that's that's <laughs> absolutely correct. i know i know mccann had his reasons He yeah well
2: yeah it turns out now
4: we we kind of know why and it makes sense yeah. but um yeah oh and just like a last thing on Setcher and like his love mm-hmm. the, yes. of the canucks like the way the guy would get starry-eyed when he'd talk about I, exactly growing yeah. up yeah way you talk about naslin and bertuzzi like he was remember
2: when he remember when he was playing with edler and they said they were like oh why do you play so well with edler and he was like oh because i've been watching him play my entire life yeah (laughs) like jake (laughs) vertanin talks more about the lord of the rings and twitch streamers (laughs) than about like his you know his connection to the team as a and i think this is a thing like this it's is so the- funny because the guys who are mad at Stet- sorry but the guys
5: who are mad at Sedger for this are the same guys who have like complete loyalty to the corporate organization of the
2: absolutely, can- and that is yeah. that's actually I'm glad you brought that up because that's a thing that I've that I've been thinking about. I've just been thinking about how much of this shit is completely manufactured, and also um you know, so on some other podcasts that where, you know, that are uh, espouse opinions that are very different from mine. Um, I have heard certain people from the sort of Canucks Twitter media ecosystem be accused of, you know, oh, well, they're not really fans of the team, like they're fans of Canucks Twitter or whatever, right? Or they're fans of like being right. And I would say that maybe those people exist, but there are just as many people, if not more, that are not fans of the team they are fans of Jim Benning and that is the most sicko shit I could ever <laughs> possibly think of like if you if you're the type of like and I'm sure they exist right now and I think it's a big part of the reason why there's been a bit of a a sea change here, here even though the Canucks have kind of managed to salvage their week with the Nate Schmidt trade There's a type of fan that I totally understand, which is the type of fan who uh, is mad about all the guys leaving and was also like mad about Burroughs and Hanson leaving because they just get emotionally attached to the players and they don't care about being cold and calculating and they don't care about the, you know, I mean, I feel weird citing Canucks Army now because it's not really what they do anymore. But like, they don't care about the Canucks Army articles that say like, here's why you should replace this beloved fan favorite with a guy nobody's ever heard of because he's actually better. Like, they don't care about that shit. They're just they just love their boys, you know. And I, like, I got that time makes for those fans. Sense. Yeah, that's like that's the normal relationship to have mm-hmm. to a sports team. Mm-hmm. But when when you are cold and calculating in that way. But the only reason you do it is basically to just defend the general manager when he's having one of the worst weeks he's had in the past six years. Like, what the The
4: fuck is is wrong with you? We can talk about that later, but this is the worst. (laughs) Okay, yeah.
3: You you, you also just like the people who want to be like, well, you got to make room for the kids somehow. You can't bring everybody back. Brogan Rafferty or Jalen Chatfield, who I've already said is not an NHL player. Brogan Chatfield.
4: Reagan and, and Jafferty. What's fucking. the
3: other? Who's the other guys? Josh Tevez. Who am I forgetting here? Mid- like, Josh Elliott. Tevez,
2: uh, Sautner, Breeze
3: like, Bois. Bois. None of these guys, not a one or of them, sensor. are going to be what Troy
4: Thatcher already is. You yeah, know? yeah. Some of them are his age. <laughs> yes, right like now.
3: Broken Rafferty
4: is Troy Stetcher's <laughs> age.
3: <laughs> I know. I love it. <laughs> like, people are like, He's going to step in and be way better than Stetcher already. If Broken Rafferty was an absolute home run signing, he probably still would not be as good as Troy Stetcher. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm not saying this as someone who is just enamored with the hometown guy, though this is the entertainment industry and you do need to sell personalities. So someone who has the personality of Troy Stetcher and is especially great with media God, we want to talk about Nate Schmidt being good in the media with one conference call. Who was a reliably better quote than Troy Stetcher for his entire run with the team, but especially over the last two years? Nobody. Uh, You do need players like that. But I I would be saying this about Troy if he was from Markham, Ontario, or wherever it is that Chris Tanev is from. We've said these things about Chris Tanev as well. You say about yeah. players who
2: are good.
3: <laughs> I, I feel like them about Jake Bertanen, am I?
2: I feel like there somewhere there is an episode of Locked On where, you know, when this initially we were kind of speculating about what they were going to do with Tanev and Stetcher, where I feel like you and I talked about like the obvious thing to do is Stetcher is your in house Tanev replacement.
3: Yes. That's absolutely. the smart. It couldn't have been more clear it was the most obvious thing (laughs) that you watch the development of players they age out they're replaced by people coming up behind them it couldn't have been more obvious that that's what Troy Stetcher was for you and the thing that's a little smaller than Chris Tanner yeah who fucking cares
2: and the thing that kills me about all of this too is and we've we ourselves have been guilty of it talking about it for the last little while here is that All of this is a false premise in the first place because it's not about would you rather have uh, Schmidt or Toffoli and Stetcher or would you rather have Markstrom or such and such, or would you rather have this person or that person? The point should be you could have all of these fucking guys if you hadn't been so stupid in free agency for four years, where you were maybe the worst team in the league over that span. Yes. Instead, on July or on our fucking COVID equivalent of July 1st, it's general manager Howard Dean going like, and we're gonna lose to Foley, and we're gonna lose Stetcher. (laughs) (laughs) And we're (laughs) going to lose Tannum. And (laughs) we're going to (laughs) lose Markstrom.
3: And that ties back into what we were saying earlier about the Schmidt trade when I said they're not a team that's in a position to be taking advantage of teams that are up against the cap because they themselves are up against the cap. And if you don't go out and spend all of your money on July 1 every year for the last four years in a row, then you would have been in a position to keep everyone this year and instead you you couldn't do anything and what did you get for it nothing you know all those all that money spent over the last four years you got one run out of it this year
4: and it wasn't even driven by the guys that you committed that money to so what the the Canucks are in the spot and I think they've we we all think they've been here longer where every problem they run into is because of a problem they've already had like they the handcuffs are because of the Benning era. Like yes. you can't you, you can't draw any connections back to the, to, to the Gillis era anymore. And so it is interesting seeing the fans react to the first uh kind of part of that week uh, of Benning's worst week ever. Um I might be Smith wrong here in. but
2: aren't the only two contracts or not I shouldn't say two contracts because there's like the Lou recapture Players. Whatever, the only two players that are left from the Gillis era now are Bo and Edler, right? Like, yeah. So, so man, if you are pulling out Mike Gillis ever,
4: even Manny Malhotra (laughs) has gone. He's in Toronto
5: that became Adam Gaudet is from Gillis. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
4: (laughs) Yeah. So it, it is really funny watching the only real argument against all this stuff come like that has any, Thought put into it, not that it's a good thought, but it's like Adrian Pooley (laughs) somehow like not believing in math and thinking (laughs) that the numbers are there. I don't know what's going on. I got to
2: drop in that. uh, I should drop in that clip of the the girl from like TikTok or whatever talking about how math isn't real.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, do it.
6: I was just doing my makeup for work and I just wanted to tell you guys about how I don't think math is real. And I know that, like, it's real because we all, like, learn it in school or whatever. But who came up with this concept? And I hear you're like, Pythagoras. But how? How did he come up with this? He was living in, like, the... I don't know, whenever he was living. But it was not now where you can, like, have technology and stuff, you know? Like, he didn't even have plumbing. And he was like, let me worry about Y equals MX plus B. Which, first of all, how would you even figure that out? How would you like start on the concept of algebra. Like what did you need it for? You know, cuz like I get like addition, like hey, if I take 2 apples and then add 3, it's 5, you know? But how would you come up with the concept of like algebra? Cuz what would you need it for? You know what I mean? Like what would you need it for back then? You didn't need it. So why would you come up with it?
4: Uh the other thing I was going to say when you're talking about the fans who uh the weird allegiance they have to Benning It's less that to me. It's more related back to... I conjured up this kind of guy earlier. Mm -hmm. In a conversation with you, maybe it was on Rock's Fever or not. But the kind of guy at the bar who just wants to sound smart. Mm -hmm. And that kind of ideology of person, uh, a big thing they hold is that they don't like other people complaining. Yes. So they make their thing complaining about that person. All these people that I know in real life, they really... They really don't like Canuck's Twitter because the amount of whining uh, about management decisions. It's not necessarily Benning, I think. It's Mm -hmm. just they don't like whiners. Um but man, but yo, this shit sucks. It sucks. Like this is the worst era of Canucks hockey, arguably. Yeah. Yeah. The
2: the those the four years there from 2015-16 to 2018-19, like from the moment they re-sign or the moment they extend Lucas Spisa and Derek Dorsett. Oh, that was the darkest day. That's From from that day to um, the Sedin's last home game is the worst era in Canucks.
5: Yeah.
4: And I think because the season, you know, has gone like a lot better and playoff run and everything, like thinking about, And my, my buddy Ben texted me, he's a devil's fan. And he was just like, man, what's going to happen to Pedersen and Hughes? Like, Mm -hmm. has there ever been uh, like a superstar rookie group core who is so handcuffed in their ELC period? Yeah. Has, Has that ever, has it ever been this bad before? And so for me the darkest age like is continuing like yeah we have yeah. You know, we're in i don't know fucking plato's cave or something <laughs> this year we got to see the shadows of what it, it's like to be successful yeah so now we're looking uh, into the
2: fire of being successful <laughs> well the, the 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 fear here <laughs> yes. was never that they would just be bad forever and that was never my my fear like it yeah, was yeah. it was
3: It's the, they would be the Calgary Flames from 2007 to 2015. I
2: say, I say, um, the, the, the team that scares me the most is Tavares Islanders, where you have like this guy who is so clearly one of the elite, like not quite a generational player, but an elite, elite player who should be, you know, in the right, in the right place at the right time, should be one of the stars in the league. And then you just punt. The entire time they're there. Yeah. Because that one guy makes you good enough to compete. And then he fucks off the minute that he can go somewhere else and, that's actually serious about winning. Honestly,
3: a great comparison because Bo Horvat is your Brock Nelson. Mm-hmm. Brock Besser is your Jordan Eberle. Like there, are, there were good pieces there in New yep. York. That should have been a good team. But as we know, uh, it, was, it was not
2: yep absolutely yep. and then and then the funny thing is is that uh then uh the, the all the good pieces that are on the canucks now will, will leave and the uh canucks will randomly be really successful playing the worst brand of hockey with a bunch of
3: nobodies,
2: and we'll all hate ourselves um but yeah i i, I think that the um the the real the real fear here is not that they uh that they get like every time I say oh I think they're going to get worse or oh I think they're going to take a step back or oh yeah no it's they're going to eat shit and uh, that JT Miller pick is going to be that's going to be a real disaster or whatever people don't understand like this is me being optimistic this is me believing that the pain can end quickly but like what I don't want to see is 10 years of days like um, Friday and I'm worried that Elias Peterson and Quinn Hughes are good enough that they can keep people who I think very clearly are in over their heads in power pretty much indefinitely. And, um, and so if you think I'm being negative when I say that I think they're going to take a step back, no, this is what I'm hoping for, optimistically, because I feel like it is the only realistic path. To uh, to an actual Stanley Cup victory at
3: some if, point. If they miss the playoffs this year, which let's be honest, they're probably going to.
4: <laughs> a lot of people are going to forget that the only reason the Canucks made the playoffs this year was because of the wild card thing that happened. Oh yeah, they were. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be like, "Yeah, we were a playoff team. Yeah, we got <laughs> they, in.
3: They were, you know, going down the drain pipe like they have every year down the stretch <laughs> for the last three years." Like, I've seen this movie multiple times before. I know how it ends. Uh, and, you know, the people will be like, you can never know that. They, I believe they would have made it. And my belief is equally valid. Uh, I think if you study history, it can dictate the future a little bit.
4: Yeah. One of the only yeah. other differences for this year, uh, besides, you know, COVID making it so we got in, is that I would usually be refreshing the draft lottery simulator. Uh, but there's no reason to do that obviously. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: I, I, I also just while we're, while we're on this topic here too, hang on,
4: I didn't get to oh, say okay. what I was yeah. going to say there, so, yeah.
3: which is typical, <laughs> of course, but if they miss <laughs> hey. the playoffs this year, which they likely are going to a house cleaning is coming. Like yeah. there's no way these guys survive letting this core take a big step back season next year. There's just no way they've been skating on thin ice for years now time 's going to run up if they miss the playoffs, and uh, that 's not the worst thing honestly no. it's really not um, I got one more thing to talk about as far as the the cult of personality around Jim Benning that you guys were talking about Yes,
2: and can I just say I just want to make a request for sure. our for our listeners out there? I want just every bad take you read of on Twitter about how the Canucks didn't have cap problems and all of this was made up. I just want all of our listeners find one of those tweets and then take a screenshot and juxtapose it with the tweet of Tyler Toffoli saying, yeah, I wanted to resign in Vancouver, but uh, we all know what their problems are. (laughs) Um,
3: We all know what the situation is. Yeah.
2: That was the biggest own I've ever seen in my
4: entire life. I think one of you guys said the most interesting thing a a Canuck has ever said or a former Canuck. You got an NHL
5: player to talk about like a management issue that is interesting. That's how commonly (laughs) accepted this is. Yeah,
2: like I would say at this point, if you are trying to make the case that like all of this cap stuff turned out fine like you officially are a goofball to me. I, I pay you absolutely no mind i do not take you seriously i do not respect you <laughs> not when it comes to hockey anyways
3: but but just like okay if you're gonna have like a, a cultish devotion to someone a real cult of personality here uh, uh why jim benny you know <laughs> like what about this guy is captivating to you you know, if you were like, like
5: this, but Steve Eiserman, I would get it.
3: Yeah. Yeah. If people accuse, <laughs> like, you know, Mike Gillis uh, stumpers still to this day of being like fanboys or whatever. And I will admit, yes, I am a fan of Mike Gillis because he's charismatic. He's an entertaining character, exactly what we were just talking about from Tyler Foley. Some people might read that as arrogant or dickish. <laughs> I think it's wonderful, but I, I love pro wrestling. So what do I know? Uh, You know, like I understand there being some sort of level of devotion to a Mike Gillis type character or figure. But what about Jim Benning as a personality has drawn you to him as this, uh, you know, some someone that you have to defer to in every situation other than just a naked appeal to authority in general? Can I answer
2: that question? Because I actually think I know why Um, I think I know why I think that. Cause I know you've seen them. There's people professionally and then there's people like less professionally or just random people online who a common refrain for them is like, oh, these, you know, these, uh, these bitter bros or whatever, like they just want to be right. That's all they care about. All they care about is being right. And I would argue like that the people on our side of this divide have been way more willing to admit when they are wrong than these people. And I think that it's total projection and I think that all of these people, almost all of them hated Mike Gillis six, seven, eight years ago, could not fucking wait for him to be like thrown to the curb. And now they are still clinging on to that false belief. Eight, seven, six years later. And they don't want to admit that the guy that they back, that they backed the wrong horse, basically. That's the, the only thing that really makes sense to me because the, the Venn diagram of people who were on Canucks eight years ago complaining about Mike Gillis and are Arca- on Canucks now saying about how it's actually great that uh, the Canucks are going to ice a defense with uh, two guys who have never played an NHL game before in the first year, like, the first year of them officially being a competitive team, that's actually good. Like, that Venn diagram is a
3: circle. And if you really believe that the thing that makes Jim Benning just so good as a general manager, that he's just unfireable and you need to keep giving him longer rope to get himself out of the messes that he is creating at this point, it's because you believe in his draft record. And if that were the case, if you really sincerely believed that you would be fucking furious that this man just drove Judd Brackett out of the organization forever absolutely no reason other than John Wisebrod's ego. That should make you completely insane. And yet people will just say, it's no one man who makes all the right moves. <laughs> then why do you love Jim Benning? Because you clearly believe it is one man, actually. Uh, have you guys seen Wild Wild Country on Netflix? No. 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 Okay, well, it's basically about this weird cult that I think was like in Oregon uh, in the 80s I believe or maybe early 90s anyways I watched this thing and the whole time the, the head leader of the cult he's this Indian man named the Bhagwan and uh, he's just an old lazy piece of shit I never understood how anybody <laughs> could be taken in by this guy there's literally nothing to him he's an old man who never says anything he just <laughs> sits there and people are just like this is the greatest guy I've ever seen uh, anyways yeah Jim Benny is the baguan of hockey this is a sort of wild wild country i think i'm so there- glad jd is not on this episode <laughs> anyways
2: go ahead Jackie. i think that there is something i know it's hacked to compare uh people you don't like to donald trump and i and for <laughs> in fairness i i don't think that jim benning and donald trump are actually anything alike as people
4: yeah but there like is wise maybe so yeah
2: exactly yeah there we go yeah but
5: i think there is no wise place- part is very much like a supporting character in the Trump yeah, show exactly, yeah. He's kind yeah. of like
3: Dick Cheney <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely he, he totally is Um, I think there is something very he Trumpian Trevor Linden on a, on a duck hunting
4: trip <laughs> 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 um, I think there is something very Trumpian He gave Trevor Linden a bag of pretzels Try to get him to choke on it
2: <laughs> About the way that people Like he is almost just He's the physical manifestation of of res- of like resentment from a certain type of person and it's almost less about the person than it is about like all of the forces that like led that moment to happen and also in the way that like you have someone who is just spinning around aimlessly clearly has no idea where they are or what they're doing
3: or what their plan is. And every and, day the coverage is like, he's playing seven dimensional chess. Yes, right now. exactly. Yeah. So also, how can you appeal to authority and say, not just anyone becomes general manager of an NHL team. <laughs> yeah. Look who the president of the United States <laughs> is right
4: now. <laughs> are you kidding me, man? Yeah, absolutely. So I wish we had Toronto media. Like, I know I get the sense that most of Vancouver media, uh, Justin, don't listen to this. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, most of Vancouver media is kind of Who on board. With these- microphone. <laughs> 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 it's microphone. Uh, like, they're most, they understand these points and they probably share in a lot of these points about just how badly Benning's tenure has gone. If this was Toronto, I feel like the media would have run him out of town by now. Yeah. I think that's another conversation to have of like, why hasn't that happened yet here? Not necessarily a coup, like a media coup, but like, I'm just not seeing enough uh rage from journalists as, uh, as much as I'd expect.
2: I have genuinely lost. So I lost so much respect for so many people over this week in, in just in the sense that it was like, okay, if, if you are not willing to admit on day, uh, you know, on day th- three or four or whatever it was, when it is clear that they have gone o for four on their expiring contracts, and one of the guys who didn't get re-signed says as explicitly as you are allowed to say as an NHL player that it happened because of cap issues. If you're not willing to admit that that looks bad and that like that is indicative of of something being not great in the organization, you just you're a PR hack. You're not a journalist. Like you're not even a pundit. You're you're just you you your job is your your job description is standing near athletes. The guy came in here
5: pretty explicitly as a rental almost yeah. and then he says like, you know, he was expecting to spend the rest of his career here like Yeah. He's the guy you picked up 17 games before the end of the
3: season. I think it was pretty clear he wanted to stay here. Yeah, absolutely. He he was very explicit about it in his end of the year availability with media. Never mind what I would imagine his exit interview was with the team. Never mind what we heard in the press the entire week leading up to the beginning of free agency and the several days of free agency that he went unsigned. He was clearly waiting for Vancouver to figure their shit out and they never did.
4: Also, he wanted to play on the West Coast. His wife worked for like the daughters or something, right? Yeah. The fact that he, like like he does not want to be in Montreal, I think.
2: No, not really. He went where where he could go, where yeah. he was able to get a little bit of term and a little bit of money, because I think you know the market for guys like that really collapsed. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. unless the, the Expos are coming back. Yeah, he could have signed. Yeah, <laughs> he could have signed um, like a, a Tyson Berry. <laughs> type deal but i think wisely he he just thought like well i could very easily land in a situation where i'm being used as more of a middle six guy and like i don't end up with i don't end up actually cashing in so i might as well just cash in now as best as i
3: can if someone's offering you four years right now even if it's a it's at a lower rate than what you would expect to get in free agency, because it very much is. Like I said, it's less than Brandon Sutter is being paid right now. I'm pretty sure, in fact, Scott Hartnell signed this exact contract like 10, 12 years ago or something <laughs> like that. Like yeah. it's really a pittance to play some to pay somebody of his caliber, but if you're an NHL player right now looking at trying to land any sort of financial stability, man, who knows what next season is actually going to look like? Who knows if there even is a next season, you know, like it really is so insanely up in the air right now, as much as they have committed to a flat cap over the next couple of years, there's a very good chance. The cap just straight up goes down after that. Like, This is a very tumultuous time. And if you are, uh, you know, a Brendan Gallagher or a Tyler Toffoli or any other number of people who got signed by the Habs this uh, last week, like, yeah, you're going to take that money right now because you know, not to get into a cliche, but like a bird in hand is worth two in the bush in this situation because you literally do not know what next summer is going to look like. So like good for you, Taylor Hall, but at least you're still getting paid like a top guy for the one year that you found a team that could actually still do that for you, you know? Yeah, Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's entirely fair. Um, we're doing pretty good for time here. We've, we've definitely went gone full episode length here but i do just want to offer all of you a chance to just say any final thoughts on the past week anything we didn't get to or anything you just want to underline or highlight again before we sign off
4: okay i'm i'm gonna go first and kind of reiterate um, of stuff that i've said already um this is the wor- this was the worst like four to seven day stretch I think that has ever happened in this era of Canucks management. Uh, I can't name a, like, yeah, there was a dark day of Dorset and Lucas Pisa but that was so early on uh, in Betting's tenure here that we kind of didn't really know what the flavor of that day was. Uh, and like, what and is, it gonna is gonna true be because the I future. think
5: even the critics of those deals said like, well, they are going to be over by the time this seems competitive.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So for me, it's this week that is that is like I cannot believe it's this bad. I can, and in the same way that the same kind of sense I feel in politics sometimes is like, <laughs> wow, everybody is insane. I'm the only person who, yeah. uh, or or just like I I I need some validation, or else I'll realize that I am insane, and I want that validation from more press in town. Yeah, uh, just as just as a Canucks fan, and uh, I. I am envious of uh, of markets like Toronto. Now Uh, I want my Steve Simmons.
2: (laughs) Well, one (laughs) one person I want want to say to bring this management down. While we're on that that subject, it's not his. uh, It is not his brand, and it has never been his brand. Contrary to popular belief, uh, some people to tear anybody down. But Thomas Strands has been on fire. This week, yeah, uh, I highly sure. recommend listening to both the Nate Schmidt episode of the VanCast and the previous episode of the VanCast where they talk about the disastrous uh, loss of their free agents, it's particularly Stetcher. Other than that, I yeah, I, like mainstream guys, I don't have a, a a ton to say because if you're not if you don't have the knives out at this point, when are you gonna have them out?
4: <laughs> Bosford would have called for him to be fired by now.
2: Yeah, I mean I don't know if yeah. Botch would ever say he should be fired. I don't think I
3: mean
4: he thing. already did, kind of did do say that. that two
3: years ago when he was yelling about what is this gonna go on for a decade? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. Um I, I do want to say I think there's been an enormous amount of revisionist history this week with regards not just Stetcher, which we already dealt with earlier, but to Foley as well. Um, you know, I tweeted uh, the other day what I've said a couple times on the show already that uh, to Foley is being paid less than what the Vancouver Canucks are currently paying Brandon Sutter. And somebody replied to me, "Can Tyler to Foley play center? Does Tyler to Foley kill penalties?" I didn't think so. And now- Do you know who does?
5: Brian Richardson, who signed for like a million (laughs) dollars.
3: Yeah, but also like, is Brandon Sutter a first-line winger? No. Tyler Toffoli is. And there are people who want to say, this guy is a 40-point player. He was a a third-line player. He's going to be a third-line player in Montreal. He was a first-line player in Vancouver and he was an excellent fit on that first line because when you look at his underlying metrics, there might be no player in all of hockey, who drives possession into the offensive zone at the same rate as a top six player that Tyler Toffoli does. His impact in terms of having the puck in the place it's supposed to be is enormous. Elias Petterson clearly loved playing with this guy. Mm-hmm. That is a huge hole to leave gaping in your lineup. And sure, maybe you think you can replace it with who even knows, you're going to put Brock Besser back there. I guess he probably will, but uh, there's well, a lot of be- people are saying Jake for, Tannen.
2: Jake for Tannen.
3: Oh, for the love of God, please. And
2: no. for real, that, that is like, you are banking on Jake for Tannen to a suddenly become a player. He's never been. And B you're getting him to do it at realistically a million less dollars than Tyler to cost. Yeah. A million and a half. Yeah. And like, there
5: yeah, are that so million and a
3: half when it was the difference between Markstrom and and, Holby. and Holby. Yeah. so why don't you have it here too, right? Like, yeah. yeah, and just you know, I have made the case in many different places probably here, definitely unlocked on, on, definitely on Canucks Conversation multiple times. Over the course of this past year, Tanner Pearson gave you fringe first-line production. He was one of the top 90 offensive producers in the entire league, which makes him technically, if you want to do the division on that, a first-line scorer. Do I really believe that Tanner Pearson is a first-line player, however? No, absolutely not. He's just giving you very solid production as a legitimate second-line player. Tyler Toffoli is a first line player. If Tyler Toffoli is the third worst player on your top line, you have a great fucking top line. And Vancouver did in these playoffs when they were healthy, when he was in the lineup. That was a very big luxury and a big reason why that series with the Vegas Golden Knights, which should have been insanely lopsided and very much was. Uh, you know, still went seven games. Tanner Pearson, uh, or rather uh, Thatcher Demko, the biggest reason why, obviously. But like, <laughs> if Toffoli doesn't come back in that series and give the forward group a boost as well, does that series go seven games? I don't think so. Uh, I guess there's no way to ever know that. But like, he was a fit here. And like we said, Absolutely. you replaced him with nobody. Um, my final thought before I turn over the, the floor to you, Elliot, is that I do feel like a lot of the time I get accused of being performatively dramatic when bad things happen <laughs> to the Canucks. And that might be true in some cases. Definitely, you know, when Quinn Hughes did not win the Calder, <laughs> I do believe that was an outrage. But was I making a big show of it to stand up for my people? Yes, absolutely I was. Am I supposed to reveal that that might have been work. No, you never exposed the business, but (laughs) it's fine. I did. Uh, in this situation, sure, I think when people get mad about sports a lot of the time, yes, it is an outlet for other things that they might be mad about in their life. Do I personally have an enormous number of things that I could be personally furious about in my life at this very moment? I think yes. However, having said that, I really am extremely pissed about what happened to the Canucks this week, and you should be too, honestly. You know, Vias called it the worst week. In this management, I called the uh, Dorset Spiza day the darkest day earlier. Uh, while Bias was giving his answer, I had to look up when the Eric Goodbranson trade happened because it was the darkest month when they both traded for Goodbranson and drafted Levy, where they <laughs> took him. Uh, that was a month overall. But like these are all catastrophic moments for this franchise and I hate Jim Benning, but I love this team. I love these boys. I want them to succeed. I am not being negative for the sake of negativity. I am being angry because I care. And that's all I have to say about that. What I was going to say was like, if you enjoyed this summer
5: and like getting to watch playoff hockey again, that's why I think people like us are mad is because we really want to see more of this and the moves that happened this week puts that in jeopardy. It makes it harder for them to get back there. It makes it gonna be it's gonna be longer for them to get back to the playoffs. And then one thing I just want people to be on the lookout for is there was a cap crunch. It cost them players. It happened. But you know that this is going to get rewritten and people are going to start turn this around and say that the cap crunch going forward
2: is not going to cost them anything and just do not believe them. What has been will be again, what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. My final thought is Justin mentioned catastrophic moments, a catastrophic moment in, uh, in recent history that I think has been buried a little bit because there's been so many of them, but that I want to highlight again, because I think it's so important is July 1st, 2018. The Canucks looked at their roster. They saw Brandon Sutter and they said, what we need is another guy who is exactly like this guy. But slower, older, and uh, worse offensively. And they signed that guy to a four-year deal when he was something like 32 at the time.
3: Yeah. yep.
2: I'm talking about Jay Beagle, obviously. And uh, if that isn't an indication that these guys are not the right guys for the job, I, I don't know what is. Like, we say that thing from Uncut Gems a lot. Do you want to win by one point or do you want to win by 30 fucking points? But in, in this case, it's it's not even that. It's like, do you want to win or not? Um, and I think some people really need to ask themselves that question because the Canucks have the pieces right now that where they could build a credible Stanley Cup contender if they want to. But I don't know if that's what everybody wants. I think that... There are some people who are so psychologically tortured from watching this team get so close to the finish line and blow it in 2011 that they kind of secretly don't want to go through that pain again and just want to watch fun little underdog, cute pat on the head teams like this team was this year. And, um, you know, like I, uh, I just think about my parents who are, you know, like god willing hopefully i would i would love it if they're going to be around for for another 20 30 40 years i would love it but, if the earth
3: was around for that time yeah
2: exactly <laughs> like time is running out <laughs> for for my parents who are Can- lifelong Canucks fans and possibly for planet earth so uh, i would like it if they would fucking get serious for once um, because i i don't want to be having we are it's year 0 We are having the same conversations, the identical fucking conversations about, oh, well, maybe this prospect is going to make the team this year. And like, oh, well, maybe if we shuffle a piece here or there, like it's the same fucking conversations we were having five years ago. I do not want to be having these conversations in another five years.
5: And the thing is, you can have the same inane conversations about how this or that prospect is going to come in and save the team. Because we were having that in 2012. We were talking about Nicholas Jensen.
2: Yeah.
3: The same way that people are talking about, like, colon now.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Can
3: I take us back even further than that? I want to go all the way back to, uh, I think the summer of maybe, uh, coming into, no, this wouldn't be right. never mind I was thinking it was Mason Raymond who made the team that year, but apparently his first NHL year was 2007, 2008, which was the year that the Canucks missed the playoffs after Longo's first run. But I do recall, and it might've been the year going into 06, 07, where, uh, (laughs) <laughs> it might, maybe it was Ryan Shannon who made the team as this. Mm, that sounds right. Yeah. Forward before Raymond took his place as another small guy. But the Canucks went into that season came out of that offseason, uh, having never filled the six hole in their top six. Dave Nonis' plan going into that year was that AHL scorer Jesse Schultz was going to be the team's number six (laughs) forward. That did not happen, but the feeling that I had that summer, watching them not address an obvious weakness and try to fill it from within when what was within was very much without. uh, I, I have that exact same feeling right now, wondering what, the third pairing on defense is going to look like right now, because I think Brogan Rafferty can be a fine player. Do you want, do I want to throw him into a third pairing right now immediately? Not really. Like (laughs) it doesn't really, because who's the other guy going to be Jordy Ben? Do you think Travis green is going to trust that pair? I don't think so. Like one of the reasons that I think they went out and signed J. Beagle Jackson was that that was very much a guy that Travis wanted. Travis wanted a team with more grit, with more sandpaper going into that next year. And that's why they went out and got Beagle and Roussel and Tim Schaller all at the same time. Uh, you know, as much as uh, a, a coach can ask for players, I also feel like part of the reason why Troy Stetcher is not still a Vancouver Canuck is maybe he never was a Travis Green guy. And Travis just didn't want to bring him back again, given that every single year it seemed like Troy would end the year on the top pairing and it again on the third the very next year again. Uh, like, I don't think Green was ever a believer in this guy but he still played him because he had to because he was one of the best options available to him people will say it's a knock on Troy Stetcher that he didn't penalty kill or play power play and yet some nights he still played 22 minutes a night why is that because he's reliable at even strength and that is enormously important but as much as coaches sometimes need to have their favorite toys taken away from them uh, like a goon, for example, uh, a Martin morinson with mm-hmm. with Mike Babcock, or uh, you know, take your pick of of enforcers that maybe were getting too much uh, ice time, or
2: a Michael Shapoo of re- yeah,
3: absolutely, a number of guys like that. As much as coaches do sometimes need their toys taken away from them, sometimes they need to be told to eat their vegetables also. And if Troy Stetcher is a plate of broccoli, fucking eat it, Travis Green. Okay,
2: <laughs> and as much as uh he may not have liked Troy Stetcher I can tell you three guys that he did like Jacob Markstrom, Kristanev, and Tyler Toffoli and they're all fucking gone now so maybe you know learn when to listen to your coach and when not to listen to your coach um, and on that note uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Failsun McDonald you can follow me at Vester
3: you can follow me at Ms. Kayak. you can follow me at J Dylan Burke <laughs> Uh, no, at Justin Morris, uh, M O R I S 1 R 1 S, Justin Morris.
2: And on this 50th episode, shockingly, we are going to do something we've never done before, which is direct your hate mail to at Canucks on Twitter.
4: <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. How did that take us 50 episodes? <laughs> I don't know.